Experience true vulnerability, how to overcome trials. You will laugh, cry, and experience everything in between. Welcome to the King of Corona podcast. Brought to you by Tyler Griffith. Oh, yeah. So I felt like it was time for me to come on and do like a podcast. I feel like I've been distant. Like I did a podcast called EMDR, my last one. And I've realized I've been out of the church long enough now to not have feelings of anger. Like I more have feelings of like appreciation for what the church gave me. And most of the people that I encounter, like I was talking to my older brother, Justin, about this. We were just saying kind of the people we like to associate with the most in life is like inactive people that were Mormon that now are no longer Mormon because the Mormon church does a good job like raising people with like good morals, good values, like just uh, all around like they're good people. Sometimes there's like obviously conflicts within a person's soul where the church doesn't make sense because of beliefs and stuff. But it does create, like, a good, hard-working, solid human being. And so, I just wanted to talk about, basically, from, like, both perspectives, because I was in the church for a long time, and I was out of the church. And so, just kind of why I think um, people stay, first off, why do people stay in the Mormon church? What is their belief system? What do they believe so you guys have more information on like what Mormons believe and why they believe, why they want to stay. Because we all know there's like very, very successful, like we all know Mormons and Mormons are like amazing people. And so I think people are curious sometimes as to what the beliefs are. And so I just kind of wanted to go over like some of that stuff. And then I wanted to talk about why people leave. Like, why, if it's as good as it is for some people, why some people choose to leave and why it becomes, like, very hard to stay even when you're trying and, like, life would be better if you did stay. So, anyway, this should be a good episode. Um, But first off, I just want to kind of go over, like, some of the beliefs. And so, like, this is how the Mormon church got started. So everybody's heard... I mean, most people have heard of Joseph Smith. And some people think, like, the Mormons worship him. Some people think he's just, like, this polygamist scumbag. So, basically, Joseph Smith was just this young guy, like, this young kid. He was 14, and he was really curious about religion. And so he was going from, like, sect to sect, religion to religion, and, like, this very big studier of the faith. And he was trying to figure out, like, which church was true. So he had, like, very good intentions. He sounds like something like I would do. Sounds like something like somebody that really values the truth would do. So basically he's going from church to church, and he basically gets, like, a visitation from Jesus and God, Heavenly Father and Jesus, two separate beings. Um, A lot of religions believe that it's one Spirit, the Son, and the Father are all one. So Mormons believe that they're separate. So you have Jesus, the Father, and then the Spirit, which I do. If I was to believe a belief system in Christ, that's how I would believe it. So I like that belief. So basically, God, 
Jesus come down. Joseph Smith is praying in Palmyra in New York. Um, this town, this like beautiful, uh, like just forest. And he's praying and like in an opening, he basically sees God and Jesus. They talk to him and say, there's no true church on the earth. We need you to restore the church, the true church of Christ. So, I mean, right there, I mean, you can see how people will believe this, right? It's like we all see all the churches, like the Joel Epsteins and the, like, big talkers that have the mansions that are, like, doing the weird shit every Sunday. And it's kind of obvious, like, okay, this isn't the truth. This is, like, a show, but why not be part of this, like, culture cult? <laughs> culture cult. Culture cult. I think that's where that word cult stems from is because cultures can easily like you're part of a culture but cultures can become culty very fast so you pick something you pick like ah, let's just be part of this this is like cool like let's go to this church so anyway joseph smith he just decides well jesus and heavenly father tell him like none of them are true so we're gonna have to have you start the new church um, basically, they send this other angel. I'm going to sum this up real quick. They send an angel to visit him in his sleep a few times and tell him where these golden plates are. So he goes, digs up the plates, sees that they're real. Then he buries them and he says, we are going to call you in the future to have you like restore this church. That's where a lot of people that don't believe the story, a lot of it falls apart because he had so much time to basically like make up the scriptures like make it up and he was kind of like a he was a treasure hunter he wasn't kind of like a, he was like a treasure hunter so he was kind of shady and had these stones and he'd like go look for treasure and so he kind of had a shady history with some stuff so when he said he saw god and jesus a lot of people saw him as like okay this guy's like He's just out to make a buck. He just wants to be like a big shot. And so now he's had 10 years to concoct a story. He was really good friends with like really smart people like Sidney Rigdon. And then he got like financial backing from people like Martin Harris. And so there was a lot like, and then his family backed him up, like for the most part at first. And it was really hard because... He was bringing a lot of hardship on himself and his family because of, like, his story. Because everybody's like, this guy's crazy. Let's kill him. Like, this guy's a crazy person. Like, what's he talking about? He's talked to God and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, Joseph Smith eventually starts to translate the plates. So he gets the plates. He gets them. And then he has people that he sits down, like his witnesses. And the witnesses sit across from the table. Um, when I was a kid, they taught us that... Joseph Smith translated with, like, the Urim and Thummim. It made it look like he had, like, a glasses and he was reading the plates and then he would translate. But come to find out later, like, eight years ago, that he was actually had, a, like, a stone inside of a top hat and he would put his face in there. And then they say now it's like they think the words popped up on the stone like an iPad. So I don't know why they didn't teach us that way as we were if, like, that's how it really happened when I was a kid, because it just seems like Hollywood, like, let's make this believable, but it's like, if the words were popping up on a pancake, just tell me, like, you were pouring your syrup, 
and the syrup spelled out the words, and that's how you did it. So I started to lose like a little bit of trust because it's like, why are you like making this story so Hollywood? You know, like just tell me the way it is because it's already crazy enough. Like it's not like him putting his face into a hat with a stone is that much weirder than an angel telling him to go dig up some gold plates underneath like a rock on this hill. So anyway, Joseph Smith finally like translates the Book of Mormon and he's got these witnesses. So like if you buy a Book of Mormon in the first part of it, you have like there's the three witnesses and then there's the seven witnesses, eight. I can't remember. That's bad. Okay, there's the three witnesses and then there's more witnesses. But they all sign and say that they saw the golden plates. They saw that Joseph Smith had the golden plates. And they won't deny it. And it's put right in the front of the new scriptures. So basically, Joseph Smith, when he translates this book, turns out the writings are from prophets that lived in America. And then we're called Mormons because the Book of Mormon was compiled by a guy named Mormon. And so he basically is just the guy that like put together the book and he called like it's called the Book of Mormon, which is why they like wish they would have changed it because all he is a guy is like he's a guy that compiled all the stories. But there's Nephi, there's Alma, there's like there's uh, Mosiah, there's there's so many like prophets in this book. But the cool thing is that these people lived in America. So, you know how, like, Jerusalem's not in America? <laughs> so, Jesus existed in a time, and, like, religion was, like, in a different part of the world. And so, the concept, like, as a missionary, kind of what, kind of what I sold people on was God would want to be with all of his children, like, teaching all of his children, and not just, like, be teaching the people across the sea. He'd want to teach the people here in America just like he would overseas. And so it made sense. Like, okay, he would have prophets like here too because he's not just going to abandon them. So I was like, okay, like that makes sense. If Joseph Smith really did see God and Jesus and they really did translate this book and this book is real, then like, okay, then that's true. And then you just like, from there, if that's that's how they get you. Like, if he saw, pray about this, pray about this. If this is true, then if this really happened, then, like, all the rest doesn't matter because you know that, like, this is the true church. And people will accept that, and I accepted that. And I looked at people's lives, and I saw, like, aunts and uncles and close friends, and it seemed like people that stayed in the church devout and went to church every Sunday and did what they were supposed to, they seemed to they seemed to have like happier families. And so for me, I was thinking to myself, like, I should just do this. Like just do this because look at everybody's like happy. And like why would you like mess something up that's good? So I think that's what happens. And so people will go but this is the part where it gets convoluted so like that the whole part of it if you were able to just choose what you believe go to church like enjoy the blessings and the benefits of being part of like the community you help each other out out of your own goodwill then like that's cool but it became very controlling joseph smith started to become a polygamist 
and he did start to, like, marry himself to, like, people's, like, other people's wives. He'd get sealed to them, and his wife at the time was not happy about things, and there was, like, a long period of time where black people could not have the priesthood, and gays, like, really don't have a place in the church, and it's, like, slowly changing, but it's, like, what I used to teach on my mission is God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He'll never change. And then the church is slowly changing. And I'm like, you guys taught me to teach that, and it is changing. And so, like, I would rather you guys just keep everything the same and not change because that's more believable. So if you're telling me that God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, he would keep his laws. And he wouldn't change them for, like, man or to be, like, pleasing and if racism in the church was, like, okay at the beginning, that doesn't make any sense. Because if it was never supposed to be part of the church, how do you allow that to happen ever if the church is run by God? And it's the one true church. You know what I mean? There's stuff like that. And then, like I've talked about this before, but you get baptized, like, when you're eight. Well, first you have baby blessings. You get baptized. And then, like, they basically tell you when you're eight years old, like, Thank you for choosing to be a member of the church. And you're like, I'm fucking eight years old. I'm eight years old. Like, did I really choose this? I don't really know if I I chose this. Then the pressure's on you. It's like, now you're a member. Now, like, we push you through this church life. When you're 12, you're going to get this priesthood. When you're 16, you're going to get this other priesthood. When you're 18, you're going to go on a mission. When you go on a mission, you go to the temple. When you go to the temple, you make these promises to God to wear these underwear forever. You never take them off ever again. You can during sex and, like, when you're working out, but some people wear them all the time. And you're just like, I don't like these underwear, and I'm always hot, and I like to wear one T-shirt, and now i got to wear a T-shirt under all my fucking T-shirts, and I don't like that. But because it's the one true church, and they're telling you in this temple, live up to all of these ordinances that you make in this temple this day. If you don't, like, basically they make it sound like you're fucked. And so you leave this place feeling like, hmm, Oh, I guess I can't take these underpants off because something bad is going to happen to me. So you, you get, like, locked in. And then they have these things called temple recommends. So temple recommends are your bishop has to sign off on your worthiness to be able to enter the holy temple of God. And that's where weddings happen, um, super sacred special ceremonies. And you have to be worthy. So I, my sister was getting married. And I didn't believe in the church. And so I wasn't able to get, like, signed off or recommend. So my whole family, all my brothers, so f- except for my older brother. Um, so two of my brothers, my aunts, my uncles, everybody went to her wedding. And there's a person that officiates it just like a normal wedding and says, like, a lot of beautiful things. And because I was not worthy, I had to sit out in the hallway with all the little children and kind of be shamed. Like sit out there with my scarlet letter and everybody could gossip and be like, I think it's because Tyler doesn't pay his tithing. I think it's because Tyler's, uh, he, he cheated on his wife. I think it's because Tyler's like, gets sexual, he's addicted to pornography or whatever the rumor is. So you just feel stupid because you don't even get a chance to explain yourself to anybody. Everybody's just like assuming that it is whatever it is. And so... That, like, that starts to happen, and then you get married, and you get married in this temple also, and you're sealed for time and all eternity. So how when you get married in court, 
it's till death do you part. The church is, you're sealed for time and all eternity. So we have a temple ceremony, um, which, so we basically are like married twice, like through the church and then through like civilly. And so you make all these promises to your spouse also. But the biggest promise that you make in the temple is you're going to dedicate all your time, money, talents, everything to the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, of growing the kingdom of God. And so you feel obligated, so you give up your time. Like I had callings where it took up like 20, 20 extra hours per week when I had like little, little kids. Like I had like a one-year-old. So I was, I was a farmer's insurance agent, so I was working all the time. I was doing probably yeah, 10 to 20 hours a week of church volunteer. Um, and I would do that because that was part of like the promise that I make in the temple is like we all volunteer and your bishop just calls you to things and like uh, you just say yes, which is crazy. But eventually it just started to like not make sense to me. It just started to not make sense to me. And I decided like I don't believe this. Like I don't believe in a God that is only going to save the people that do these ordinances, that are going to accept this baptism, that are going to go through this temple ceremony, like that pay 10%. If they don't pay 10%, they can't go to the temple, which means they're not worthy to go back to his kingdom. Like I would prefer to give my money to an organization or a family that's not billionaires. Like the church has $150 billion, like over $30 billion in real estate. Like, they have so much money, and everybody still keeps paying 10% because the 10% is going to pay them dividends, like blessings. Which they all seem to get blessings, and I think the concept of tithing is amazing. Just what I'm saying, like, the church raises amazing people, but it, it oversteps with its control and its power. And the control and the power that the church have over the people makes it so the people lose sight of who they are, and they start to act in become more like what they want more cookie cutter and start to like strip people of their individualism like i remember one time i've just always been different i just want to wear different color shirts and stuff and they're like please tyler can you wear a white shirt just wear, please wear a white shirt and i was like i show up with a black shirt like pretty much every week i show up with a black shirt and like they'd want to pass the sacrament so once you became a deacon, you could pass the bread and the water to all the other members in the congregation. I just remember feeling like, why can't I like grow my beard out and like have a black shirt and do that? Like they wouldn't want to ask me to do it if I didn't have a white shirt. So I just started wearing a colored shirt and they wouldn't ask me. And I was like, whatever, like I do a good job. Like I know how to walk from aisle to aisle and pass water and bread to people. But if you don't want me to, that's fine, whatever. And then like when I was unworthy also, like I couldn't partake of the sacrament they tell me like sorry but you're not worthy to take up the sacrament this week which is crazy because that should be for the sinners to basically like be like renewing their baptism every single week but then your bishop can come in and be like your sin is so great that this week we're gonna make it so you can't take the sacrament like they don't leave anything up to like choice of individual they like have rule books and the bishops get to dictate what happens to your life i talked about my mormon mission before but they can send you home from your mission for things that you did before your mission even if you're remorseful and you feel like you repented they can say no nope, you got to go home and repent more it's just kind of crazy like 
because it's such a wonderful place that creates such a wonderful like environment. And if they could just be stripped of all their power and control, it really would be like a heavenly place on earth. That's all I have, folks. If you want more about this topic, please feel free to hit me up at kingofcorona2020 at gmail.com. Love you, bye.